there's a quote that says, you know, all you need is 30 seconds of just radical courage. If you can just find 30 seconds of radical courage, it can change your entire life. And I don't even think it requires 30 seconds. I think it requires five, five seconds of radical courage once a day. It is amazing what it can do. Make the phone call, send the text, quit your job, like five seconds. That's all it really takes to do it, you know, but sometimes that five seconds can be the very thing that propels you from stuck to forward progress and reminds you just how extraordinary you truly are. Hey everyone, this is Ashley Menzies Babatunde, your host and resident storyteller, and welcome to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. No Straight Path is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are digging into the human stories behind success, and my hope, as always, is that you leave the conversation inspired, motivated, and excited about your journey. All right, friends, I hope you're having a great week. I hope you all enjoyed part one of my conversation with Natalie Frank. She is a best-selling author, community builder, neuroscience nerd, and mama bear for small business. And she is also the head of community at Flowdesk, where she empowers business owners around the world. We had a great part one. We learned all about Natalie's career and how she built community. And in part two of this conversation, we learn more about Natalie's inspiring journey, how she learned to live with bold, brave, and boundless courage, and her advice for those who want to do the same. And I was taking notes. Friends, Natalie is just wise. I think we're actually around the same age, but just the depth of her experience when it comes to just the life that she's lived thus far from a personal and professional level. It is just so inspiring and I just want to be her friend. So (laughs) we are new friends, which is exciting, but I hope you all feel the same way after part two. And let's get to our conversation where Natalie shares more details about her book, Gutsy. So Gutsy was a book that I just launched a month ago, a USA Today bestselling book. I'm so proud of it, but it's this multitude of learned experiences from the professional side of building businesses, selling businesses, and helping over 100,000 entrepreneurs build theirs combined with this really vulnerable journey that I have been on through chronic illness and through being a benign brain tumor warrior and trying to figure out what that means for me, both in the season where the world was watching and even now in a season where you know I don't speak as openly about the chronic illness side of my life, but where the complications of that surgery are still ever present and still getting up every morning and choosing to be brave and, and choosing to do, do the damn thing and what that looks like in the hopes that for anyone listening to this who has a journey of their own, who has something that they're battling through or they're feeling stuck on and you know, has ever thought to themselves, I just wish that I could X, Y, Z. This is a book that takes your hand and also kicks you in the butt and helps you to move forward and to move forward in a way that's not just rah-rah self-help platitudes, but is rooted in neuroscience. I mentioned I'm a nerd, um, has a lot of great psychological studies quoted throughout, and also you know, ensures that you are the author of your own story and you are the one writing what the next chapter looks like. Wow. I just, so much to unpack there. I love everything that you just said. I think it is so inspirational. It is going to help so many people and it is brave to share your story and to also just deal with this juxtaposition that I feel like I felt in my life in several times where I'm experiencing something that is bringing me 
such great joy, but also I'm experiencing grief at the same time. And it is such a hard, interesting space to be in. And it sounds like you've been there several times. And I'm wondering if you have advice for anyone going through this kind of interesting period. Yes, I do. I have advice. A multitude of bits of advice. First, I would say we have to embrace the fact that our lives are not two-dimensional. They are three-plus dimensional in the sense that it's not a binary of either I had a good day or a bad day. We like to try to fit you know, our emotions into these neat little boxes, and we try to synthesize the complexity of our days into a single adjective, but the truth is it's a both-and. You can experience the highest of highs and the lowest of lows within an hour period, and they both exist. You can, you know, be killing it in your career and just struggling in your personal life or the opposite. The both and, I think, is something that really has helped me to understand that, you know, it doesn't have to be all or or nothing thinking. It doesn't have to be it's either good or bad. My life is either going well or not. I'm either succeeding or failing, but rather that the journey itself is a multitude of emotions and experiences at any given time. It is not two-dimensional. That has been really helpful for me. I also think, you know, sometimes just calling out what you are going through into the light can be one of the most freeing experiences. Our hard days, our difficult struggles, our, you know, things that we try to hide or that we feel shame about have far less power over us when we shine that light on them. They have even less power over us when we invite other people into that light, when we share it, not just, you know, being able to say it to ourselves, which for some folks, you know, you're like, I don't know what that means. For others, you're like, no, I get it. Like looking in the mirror and even admitting to myself I had a benign brain tumor was hard. Like I wanted to pretend like it wasn't real. I wanted to go back to living my life and, you know, just erase the diagnosis altogether, but I couldn't. And so, you know, even having the courage to admit it to yourself, to call it out into the light, to be open about whatever you're going through, if it's that a job's no longer serving you, a relationship needs to come to an end, um, a habit that you need to break or build, whatever it is, speak up, open up, you know, call it out. And then if you're able, invite other people into that experience, into that journey. Find the people that you feel safe sharing with, being vulnerable with, opening up with, because, you know, we weren't meant to do this alone none of this. You know, life is not meant to be a solo sport, right? It's a team sport for a reason. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the fact that that sport also happens to be a spectator sport where we feel as though the world is watching and we feel as though we've got eyes on us and we feel this pressure of the opinions all around us. And I talk about this a lot in Gutsy, both the science of other people's opinions, but also the fact that there is one opinion that should matter the most to you. And that is the opinion that you hold of yourself. And so when you are able to be deeply rooted in that opinion that you hold of yourself, when you do the hard work of uncovering just how extraordinary you are, just how resilient and brave and bold and dynamic you are, and you know that without a doubt, then when you're able to share what you're struggling with, it doesn't dictate your identity. Is an extension of your journey. It is a stepping stone that you are inviting other people in on to see, to be a part of, to give you advice if you want it. But it's not yanking you back and forth between, you know, seeing yourself as one thing or another because you have that foundation from which you are planted. You know, it's the difference between saying, I'm failing and I am a failure. You are not a failure. Something can fail and you can still be 
a beautiful success. Actually, I would argue you can't be a success without multiple failures. That is the foundation that you do build the best of success from. So I'll stop there, but but just to say, you know, you're not alone. Call it into the light. Lean on others. Be willing to find that. There's a quote that says, you know, all you need is 30 seconds of just radical courage. If you can just find 30 seconds of radical courage, it can change your entire life. And I don't even think it requires 30 seconds. I think it requires five. Five seconds of radical courage once a day. It is amazing what it can do. Make the phone call. Send the text. Quit your job. Like, Five seconds. That's all it really takes to do it. You know, but sometimes that five seconds can be the very thing that propels you from stuck to forward progress and reminds you just how extraordinary you truly are. Yeah. Another one. So many gems, Natalie. I just love your perspective and how your experiences have informed this perspective where you're really rooted in who you are and you're rooted to your authenticity. And I think that is so just spot on because There are so many external factors and so many things outside of our control. And if we are easily rattled by that, the journey is going to be really tough. And I used to be easily rattled by that. And I still have my moments, but it is having that strong understanding of self and being able to move through the highs and the lows and being okay with who you are and knowing that you're just, you're being true to yourself, I think is just half the battle. You know, and I feel like you've really figured that out and you talk a lot about that. And you just talked about failure as well. And, you know, in order to be successful, you do need to fail. Has there been a period in your life or an example where you feel like you failed, but you didn't actually feel like a failure? You had gotten to that point? First, I'll say I fail every day. If I don't fail, I'm not trying. I genuinely, like, I have a belief that, you know, if I don't fail every day at something, I'm not showing up. I'm not showing up to the game. That's how I truly in my heart view it. You know, I'm very inspired by entrepreneurs like Sarah Blakely who failed so many times. I don't know if you're familiar with her story. I love her story. You know, she failed the LSAT twice. She wanted to be an attorney. Couldn't pass it to get into a law school at all. So she packed her bags and she went to Disney to try to be goofy of all characters. Like, was like, I think I could be goofy. Goes to Disney, doesn't get a job at Disney. Whew. Then go selling fax machines door to door. Talk about getting told no, like cold calling, selling fax machines. Can you imagine? Failure, failure, failure. And yet that is what uncovered to her the need for shapewear. She's going wearing her pantyhose and they're just not serving her anymore. And so what does she do, right? She starts to innovate and iterate, goes to the first round of investors and no one wants to give her money. She is not a seasoned entrepreneur. you know. And so her story among so many others, when you look around at the folks that in your life inspire you, who you think are successful, notice not their successes, but how many times they fail on a micro daily basis, because what you'll uncover is the more successful that someone is, the more often they fail and yet the more often they fail quickly and they don't linger on it, the more willing they are to you know, abandon an idea and pivot into a new one when it's needed, not clinging romantically to this idea that maybe it will work out if I just keep fighting for something that truly isn't you know, driving you forward or driving a company forward or driving your professional or personal development forward, whatever it is. So I fail all the time. To be really vulnerable with you, you know, my first book, actually, this is, it's both a failure and a success. Gutsy has sold nearly as many copies in a month that we did with Built to Belong in two years. And Built to Belong still did well. Like, I'm proud of that book. But I say that to say, and not to say that it was a failure, but to say that 
I think, had hoped that our launch would be stronger with Built to Belong. And you can't control so much of our, you know, of life. We talked about this already, but I didn't think a pandemic would hit when I signed my book deal to write a book about getting together in person that was publishing in 2021. (laughs) I mean, come on, come on. That was not ideal. You know, I didn't think that another wave of uh, COVID would be hitting right when my book launch was supposed to happen as schools were going back in session in August of 2021. There were a multitude of things that we came up against that made it really hard to convince the world that a book was worth paying attention to. I felt like the world was burning down outside. And I was like, here's my book about community and getting together with people. And people were like, are you, what, what is she doing? So that was pretty, you know, I hate to say it was a failure, but gosh, can I be that vulnerable as to say there were parts of that that were? And then the redemption of, you know, tr- still trying again, like still trying one more time and having a book that I think really has caught some folks off guard with how impactful it has already been and the type of feedback we're getting and the sales numbers and things like that. So I say that too as encouragement that, you know, sometimes people talk about failure from the lens of it didn't work, so I pivoted and did something else. But I also want to make sure there's space for failure that then informs us to continue fighting for the thing we know we're meant to do. That sometimes, you know, you can do something and it fails and it's not actually evidence that you need to stop. It's meant to teach you something. It might even just be meant to show you that you really want it. I've failed at things and it has just fired me up to get better, right? Like the first photographs I ever took looked like they came out of a potato. They were so bad. I mean, it wasn't even a camera. It was a straight up potato. It was horrible. And yet, if I had stopped there, you know, if if I didn't see that as, you know, if I looked at it and said, oh, that's evidence that I can't cut it. I am never going to be a photographer. I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I would have a desk job. Um, I would have a desk job and I would have climbed a corporate ladder and I never would have considered anything that I've done, writing, podcasting. I really don't. I think that that, that camera was really the catalyst for me personally. And yet... I failed and I failed and I failed. I did photo shoots for folks that hated the photos. I learned. I got better. You know, I could go on all day about the failures. The point being that, you know, pursuing perfection, like it's just not an option. When you reframe your relationship with failure, it will take you places that chasing perfection never will. That's the takeaway. Reframe it, embrace it, and keep moving forward. It's so true. That is so true. It's You said something really important there. What can I learn here? This is here. This happened to teach me something. And when you just do that quick reframing, you're able to take the lesson, move forward, get to the next thing, and not dwell on it too much. Because what I noticed amongst overachievers, as well as just some of the science-based research, is there's sometimes a lot of anxiety associated with that. A lot of people who are pursuing perfection, and then it's taking up so much mental space and it's getting in the way of you actually pursuing your goals, of you actually achieving and realizing your dreams. And so it's a muscle. You got to keep working at it. But I love that you've been able to strengthen that muscle. I am so curious about perhaps, we've talked about so many great things, but if you have any advice for anyone who aims to be gutsy in their personal life, in their career, tell us, what advice do you have for those people? Yep. I'll throw two fastballs at you. The first bit of advice, solidify your values. If you don't have values, the world will tell you what they are. So you need to take a moment. If you haven't done this, you know, in Gutsy, I actually give you a list of like, you know, 50 examples of potential values that you could adopt as your own. But do a values exercise. You can even Google it. Google core values exercise. Go through a list of values. Cross off the ones that don't resonate. Circle the ones that do. Narrow it down to three to five. 
that is one of the most important acts that you can take to drive the forward progression of a, a brave and gutsy life. Because when you can set those core values and you face a hard decision, you're not just trying to make a decision and thinking, oh God, what should I do? No, you're saying, okay, here are my five core values. Here are the values I aspire to live into, prioritize my time around, you know, make these decisions based on. And if I am a person who is value, 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 what decision would I make? How would I respond to this challenge? Right? Look at those values as your compass. Start there. Second bit of advice I'll give you. This is my hot take. This is my spicy, my habanero, because some people don't like to hear this, but it is the truth. You need to audit your inner circle. You need to pay attention to whose voices you are allowing to filter into your mind every single day. The people you surround yourself with, they're not just the folks that you become like. They dictate the trajectory of your entire life. There is research on this. I just heard, and again, I wish I had brought the stats to this conversation, but I will sum it up as to say, if you sit beside a high performer, you will perform higher. If you sit beside a low performer, you will also perform lower. Choose who you sit next to. But also in that same breath, when you are crafting an inner circle, and I go into more detail about this in Gutsy, you need to look out for some things. One being, if everyone agrees with you, that's not an inner circle. It's an echo chamber. You need to find an inner circle of people who also will challenge you, who have a different perspective, a different lived experience, who aren't afraid to tell you the truth, to hold you accountable, right? Because sometimes we'll find an inner circle that's just full of yes people. And I'll say that that's not what it's supposed to be. You want an inner circle that'll say, well, wait, are you sure about that, Ashley? Are you sure that that's the right decision? It sounds like a good opportunity, but you also told me that XYZ is something that matters to you. And, you know, I, I just want to hold you accountable. Like, are you setting that boundary for yourself? Are you doing XYZ? Find an inner circle that can do that for you and really take it into account. So today, take a moment, think about who is your inner circle. You also can have different inner circles per areas of your life. So you could have a professional one. It could have mentors in it. It could have colleagues in it. It could have folks in the same season or seasons ahead of you. You could have a personal one. You could have a faith-based one or a you know, social-based one. You can have different inner circles depending on what your needs are in your life. But I would say start there, audit that inner circle after you've done a values exercise. And it may be time to add new faces to that circle. It might be time to let some go. It's hard, yeah. but it's necessary. Yeah. No, I love that advice so much. And now I'm just so curious about your inner circle. Can you just tell us about the people that lift you up? Yes. My inner circle is small and it's small by design, but I have, you know, my husband, my partner of 17 years. So him and I have been together since we were 15 years old. He is my high school sweetheart and he's actually my challenger. So I think a lot of folks would maybe assume he's my like rah-rah cheerleader. And he is. He, you know, is to a degree, but he is like iron sharpens iron, him and I. And he's the one that will call me on my bluff and will hold me accountable and you can't get anything past him. He's an Enneagram 8. For anyone who knows the Enneagram, like he is a very strong Enneagram 8. And I'm a 3. So he's one of the inner circle. My best friend, Jess, she is like, when I need a meme, I need to laugh. I need to cry. I need a gut check. I need to share, you know, motherhood struggles. I need to talk about the personal, the real, real. She is my core inner circle for that. And she really holds me, you know, accountable for honoring and loving myself. Whereas my husband maybe pushes me to expand in that sense, my best friend Jess is, is kind of the yang to that yin and is the counterbalance of, but are you taking time for yourself and are you loving yourself and what do you need and can I drop off groceries? Wait, I'm not even going to ask you. There's something on your porch, right? Like that level of inner circle. 
and I could keep going, but y'all don't need to know all of them. All else to say, you know, like finding that balance and finding folks that uh, you can lean on and who can can fill that multitude of needs that each of you have, I think is is really important. And don't be afraid to acknowledge that relationships are going to change in different seasons of your life. There might be somebody that has been a part of that inner circle for you, but you've noticed that it's time to expand that circle or it's time to move into a new one. And I just want to be encouraging to those folks as well that when, you know, we say no straight path and and Ashley talks about that and it's, you know, it also implies to relationships too. You know, you may have a relationship that is serving you for a season of your life and it's okay if you need something different in this new season. It's okay if when you go to audit the inner circle, friends, you look around and you go, "Uh uh-oh. I'm just surrounded by folks that think like me, sound like me, look like me. It's time for me to expand and challenge myself to add someone to this roster that I can lean on, that shares my values, that is really going to help me to grow. It's really going to force me to reevaluate my thoughts, my behaviors, my hopes, my dreams, even what's possible for me. It's hard and it's uncomfortable, but sometimes it's the most important work that we can do. Again, like I said with community, it's the same with us. If we're not growing, right, if we're not open at least to growth, then we're dying. And that's just not something I'm willing to accept for any of you. Like it's just not something I'm willing to accept for myself. And your inner circle is is really core to that. Yeah. No. So much also resonated with me as well. Just with my husband too. He's very encouraging, but he also challenges me. And when we first started dating, I did not like that. I did not understand. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, I don't understand. I'm perfect. What are you saying? But it was <laughs> but it was very helpful. And he said, you know, no, we're a team. And so I have to be honest with you. And I just didn't really get that because I come from a family that is so supportive and I'm an only child and I'm the one who's done all the things. So no one questions what I do. Like even, you know, my dad, like he's just like, I say an idea, everything is amazing. Everything is great. So I was very confused when I started dating my husband yes, <laughs> like six yes. years ago, but it came out of love. It is so helpful. We're such a good team. He's also a very strong encourager, but I just had never had that kind of healthy tension. But this was a good challenge. And it's so true. Uh, And even in friendships and even getting outside of your bubble, I think for me was podcasting, right? I think that I've been able to connect with people who are different from me, but they're also dreamers. They're practical dreamers, which is how I would describe myself, which is a little bit different from my lawyer community. But I love my lawyer community because they will you know, analyze everything that I'm doing and tell me all of the risks. And then I'll have my dreamer friends will say, but this is what's possible. And I always sit in the middle. And so it's it's very helpful, right? And so I just, I love everything that you're saying. Well, this conversation has just been so wonderful, Natalie. Like you have just dropped so many different gems. If you have any final thoughts to leave with the listeners, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I'll end with this. The world needs what you've got. I talk about being gutsy because I really believe that the more people who step up and are bold and are brave and do the thing that they were created to do, the better we all are for it. So if that's been a little bit of doubt in the back of your mind, just let me be the one to tell you, we need you. We need you to be brave. We need you to do the thing. We need you to acknowledge that there is no straight path and that whatever is waiting for you, whatever that next step is, it's going to make an impact that you can't even begin to understand today. So lean into it. Go after it. And Ashley, just thank you so much for having me on the show. I adore you. I adore this show. And it is an honor to be one of your guests. So thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much, Natalie. I adore you. So thank you. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. Remember to share the podcast with friends and family. And my hope is that these stories help you navigate your No Straight Path journey. If this content is adding value to your life, and I hope it is, please take a few minutes out of your day to rate the show and write a review. You can click the link in the show notes to write a review. It helps other listeners find the show, and I just really appreciate it. Have a lovely week, embrace the journey, and remember, you're not alone.